honestly, one of the hardest things you'll ever do as a fintech, in my experience, is finding a bank sponsor. It is not easy. Typically, it's only the big guys that get to do stuff like that. And most fintechs never get there. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast, uh, presented and hosted by Currency Cloud. This is one of your hosts, Chris D'Antuano, with uh, launching our Challengers episode and series. Today, I'm delighted to have multiple guests on for one of the first times, I believe, especially in a, in a video simulcast, definitely the first time. But I'm super excited to bring in each of the guests here today. Kicking off, we have Nikki Rohde from uh, Central Payments, as well as Fanta Gilliam from Invest Susu and Rishi Chand from MasterCard. Excited to bring everyone on. Uh, we had Nikki on before, so round two, and it's great to, to have you on for the Falls <laughs> FinTech cohort too. But it's going to be some really good information about the challenger space in the US, the sponsor bank, sponsor program space, and all of the pieces that are involved. Falls FinTech is launching their cohort too, and we thought it would be really good to bring in Fonda from Invest Susu and Rishi from MasterCard to talk about cohort one and, and you know, how that was beneficial for them, the challenges that they did face given the times that we're, we're in now, and, uh, and then the benefits of all of that uh, moving into Nikki's side of it with the launcher for cohort two. Um, so before we begin getting into the weeds here and, and talking about all the benefits, um, I'd love to introduce uh, Nikki Rohde from Falls Fintech, and then we can take it further fr- from there. So Nikki, welcome back. Be good to for our listeners to maybe give a good brief background again uh, from from yourself, and then uh, obviously Falls FinTech and what uh, you're doing over there at uh, for your cohorts. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for having us, Chris. Um, so once again, Nikki Rohde, I am uh, currently have the role as Senior Vice President of uh, Payment Development, Product Development at our Central Payments Division of Central Bank of Kansas City, and of course, most recently, I'm the Managing Director of Falls FinTech. And we launched Falls FinTech in, well, it was March of 2020. Everybody knows that dreaded month. So lots of things to talk about here uh, in a bit. But uh, make a long story short, um, been in banking for a little over 20 years, 21, 22 years. Lots of payments, back-end bank processes. Was at some of the big players uh, and joined Central Payments in 2018 uh, with the idea of just trying to be part of a sponsor bank, program manager-esque bank uh, that's fintech-friendly, innovative, and future-minded, which is really important to me because I like to think uh, a bit outside the box. And so central payments in Central Bank of Kansas City, uh, definitely the right environment for me. And then uh, Falls Fintech, it's been a, it's been a fun ride so far. And uh, again, we'll talk more about that, but pleasure to be with you guys. Yep. It's, it's good to have you on again and looking forward to, to diving deep about the experiences through through the first round. So next up, uh, Rishi, Rishi Chan from MasterCard. Can you give a background for our listeners and then what you're doing over at uh, MasterCard and what it entails to Falls FinTech? Yeah, sure, Chris. Uh, Thanks for having me as well. Uh, Very excited to be here. So just some quick background on myself. I've been in financial services for the past uh, six, seven years, um, kind of across the entire ecosystem. So started at Wells Fargo for a couple of years and then joined um, a couple of different startups. And actually my last startup, a fintech, uh, a customer of MasterCard, and that's how I got connected into MasterCard 
Um, and then been at MasterCard for a little over a year now on the account management side. So have the pleasure of managing relationships like um, Central Payments um, and Central Bank of Kansas City, um, along with you know other other partners across the entire ecosystem, from you know issuing banks um, to processors to also fintech companies as well. So excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. And then last up, uh, Fanta Gilliam from Ingasusu. Fatum, welcome. If, if you can give a background for yourself and. Now, what, what brings you on with InvestSusu? Yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm excited to be here too. Um, so I'm Fanta, CEO and founder of InvestSusu. Uh, we're a fintech company based in Washington, D.C. Uh, one of our signature products is a smart social banking wallet um, that banks can license and integrate into their uh, core debit credit card offering. And people use Susu as a way to save, uh, build credit, invest together with their local community bank. Before launching the company, I actually worked as an American diplomat. And so the U.S. government sent me to live and work first in East Asia, uh, South Korea, Singapore, a little bit of time in China. And then I got the opportunity to work all over Sub-Saharan Africa. And that's where I was really exposed to a lot of the informal social banking traditions that exist in emerging markets. And what really prompted me to launch InvestSusu and develop innovative ways to innovate on those traditions with our Susu wallet. Well, that's a very interesting background. That's awesome. Uh, you, can bring, you can tie two, to, two together and really bring benefits to the market. Makes the rest of us look bad, I'm afraid. Oh, oh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki, I'm trying to be like you when I grow up. Come on, man. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate the background. And I think, um, you know, let, let, let's get right into it to, to talk about uh, the, the ecosystem a bit. So, um, I think I just want to start out in the in the U.S. So just like the fintech innovation in the U.S. So I think what we've noticed, at least I think all of us here, we've noticed that the you know Asia and the U.K., Europe, a, a little bit ahead in regards to the transition to digital for banking and just fintechs itself. And I think you know that's what led to the accelerator over at Central Payments, you know, opportunity to be able to help in that essence of things. Um, so I think. One one area, do you think, you know, the pandemic has accelerated digital in, in the U.S. as far as adoption, as far as end users go of, of, of new financial institutions or new financial products? And then, you know, if so, you know, which ones do you think are, are accelerating in that ecosystem play? And then, you know, is the pandemic the reason for that or is just the evolution of fintech? I think I'd like to start off with Rishi there, just as a MasterCard perspective. Do you see an enhanced of you know, digital products being due to the pandemic moving faster, or is it just, you know, the, the evolution in general in the U.S.? No, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great point. And we're, we're seeing a lot of innovation, you know, on the payment side because of COVID. I mean, things are definitely accelerating. I mean, everything from, you know, real-time disbursements to kind of building out the infrastructure at at quicker speeds is actually really important. Also, of course, with kind of the fear of, of touching, um, you know, contactless payments have been accelerating um, very significantly. So we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of innovation on um, contactless, on real-time disbursements, on just, you know, different parts across the entire ecosystem and infrastructure of payments um, very quickly accelerated by COVID. And so, and so for you, Fanta, right? So you're getting to market yeah. pretty, pretty quick here, right? Does it, do you see like an automatic demand for the product that you're bringing in because of the need for digital like immediately off of the cohort one, I guess? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, cohort one played a huge part of it. And we were so excited to participate in that. We learned a lot. We were able to innovate and work with partners that could get us to market faster. 
one of the things that we saw um, when COVID first started was, oh my goodness, when are we going to have a program? And then once we were able to actually power through and we're so excited that there would be a program, what we began to see in the market was that there was a lot of need, particularly on the government side, around the COVID response and economic recovery response. And my background in federal government, I think I kind of was really able to pinpoint some pain parts, pain points in the market that allowed us to actually pre-sell our products and get it into hand of hands of government officials as a way to help unlock capital for small businesses. So that's one way that we were actually able to pivot, use our technology to directly support the COVID economic recovery effort. Um, and one specific example of that was really around how the government helps provide referrals uh, to partner banks. You know, they were trying to get loans out as fast as possible. Everybody was seeing the SBA websites and things shutting down just basically the crazy demand mm. and a lot of the misinformation around there. And we were, um, as a fintech, we said to ourselves, well, how can we help? And are there other use cases for our tech? And so we were able to build something that essentially helped um, governments like the District of Columbia um, do a better job at sending information to small businesses, but also um, using our intelligent matching software to connect those businesses to the best lender and also support providers that can help them with the SBA, um, COVID, PPP, and idle loans. And so that was a really great opportunity for us. It helped us scale tremendously and created some new verticals. Um, but it was a pain point that we as a fintech kind of decided to really jump on. Yeah, that's really, I mean, to be able to be agile like that and pivot to what the need is, I mean, it, it, I believe that's exactly where fintechs like yeah. yourself need to be able to, willing to pivot, but also right. open to like opportunity to help both sides of that marketplace, which, which is what you did and you did, or you're doing successfully. Totally. I'm sure the demand was, was absolutely crazy. Um, <laughs> I guess it brings up a good point for you, Nikki, right? So you, you, you had a program planned out to have on, everyone on site. Um, you were really, obviously, what we were just talking before you got on about the excellent happy hour you guys had at Money 2020 last year and how we're going to miss, uh, you know, round two this year. But you guys decided to, you know, pivot, do this thing digitally and, and really ramp it up. I know, first off, like, what did that entail? You don't have to go too specific. And then, you know, the opportunity that brought, to central payments in the bank to be able to do everything digitally kind of opens up maybe this whole new world for you guys to look forward uh, thinking as well. Well, those of you that know me know my humor. So um, of course, I'll start off by saying I was hungover for about two days, um, feeling sorry for myself. Uh, no, <laughs> it, uh, it, was, it was a shock. I mean, we had um, worked really hard. We launched at Money 2020 from a formal kind of kickoff perspective and then did everything from uh, brand awareness to mentor pool to curriculum layout um, and fast tracking, frankly, the boarding process for all of our cohort one companies. Got them here March 9th, I believe it was. And uh, by March 13th, everything looked looked different. So we uh, sent everybody home. And that a couple things that were problematic with that is we hadn't contemplated that at all. But like a lot of fintechs, there's a there's a time to pioneer and just roll up your sleeves and go. And so that's what we did. We sent everybody home Friday, uh, me, Luke, Heather, uh, some other folks on my team. We worked over the weekend to really uh, develop a plan for uh, come Monday, what are we going to do? And uh, of course, brought it to the cohort and said, look, guys, this could take shape one of two ways. Um, we can either put a pin in it and revisit later. Or uh, we can set out what we intended to do and just have it look and feel a bit different. And 
of course, no surprise, all of the entrepreneurs were like, let's go, yeah. let's go. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we did. Yes. And um, it, it felt a bit different. It looked a bit different than we anticipated. But um, all in all, we uh, moved forward well. We've got term sheets with, uh, with most of the companies out of cohort one. Fonta is on her way to our implementation track, which means that we will be very, very quickly with um, the nice. MasterCard product. So, very, very nice. Yeah, I mean, and that's like the idea of what what a fintech can do is is be that agile. And it's just so awesome that as a bank, you don't necessarily see that type of flexibility or uh, options. So it's just it, it's pretty awesome to see from your side an opportunity moving forward. You're definitely going to be available for traction uh, moving forward. Um, Fonta, I'd like to to discuss just. From your shoes, obviously, you, you wanted it to move forward, right? I mean, yeah. Um, and they had all those pieces together to help you move, move forward. Could you talk about the value, I guess, that False Fintech provided you comparable for maybe just going to market yourself and trying to navigate different opportunities on your own? Yeah. I mean, honestly, one of the hardest things you'll ever do as a fintech, in my experience, is finding a bank sponsor. It is not easy. Typically, it's only the big guys that get to do stuff like that. And most fintechs never get there. And we were at a point where we had done a lot of R&D and testing of our product. We had, you know, incredible UX UI. Um, We had been looking at a variety of different banks to see who would be a best fit. And when we were introduced to the false fintech team, it was just like such an incredible blessing. I got to tell you. One, because they, they really teach you what you don't know. And when you're a founder in a fintech and you're doing innovation, you think you have everything right. But there's so much in the ecosystem that you're not aware of. Um, certain types of, um, I mean, legal regulatory requirements is a big one, um, but also just kind of like really kind of granular things that you need to have lined up before you can even take your product to market. And our, and our, unfortunately, our financial services ecosystem or the industry is not as uh, transparent as you would think, um, especially for fintechs. And so the false fintech accelerator, I mean, I just think it was brilliant the way they laid it all out. I mean, they walked us through the entire process of getting your product to market with the bank sponsor, had all of the different um, use cases and different partnerships that we needed to have and how you need to set up your platform within this ecosystem. It was just all laid out in a way that it probably would have taken us millions of dollars and probably three to five years to figure out independently. And so that was huge. And it really got us to market quickly or prepared us to get to market very quickly. Yeah, it's, it's a really good point. And one of the reasons I wanted to put all this together for, for this episode is I think maybe once a week we get a we get a call saying, "Hey, I want to be the next Revolut." <laughs> and it's yeah. just like, okay, um, like where do you want to begin? And it's like, well, you guys can just do it for us. It's like, well, it, this is very difficult for to even piece together. You need you need a bank sponsor. You yeah. need um, you know a, a processor. You need to be tied into a yeah. card. You need to you know, um, and they're just like, oh yeah, nah, I don't think this is gonna you know work out. So. Um, so I guess for Rishi, for your side, obviously there's, there's a ton of benefits that you can get access to, you know, seeing the products that are out there or that are coming to market. But, you know, what are the, some of the benefits for you to be part of, you know, a cohort like this and, and be able to, you know, be in, be in early, I guess, with the fintechs, uh, you know, rather than waiting for them to come to you, I guess, at that point. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a great question, Chris. And I, I think we, you know, from the jump, from the very start, we were very excited about the opportunity to partner with uh, False Fintech, with Central Payments. For a couple of different reasons, I think one, it just firstly, it just aligned with our with our partnership approach, and so 
Um, you know, we, we work with our partners across the entire ecosystem very closely in different ways. And this partnership, because, of, because it was so unique in a lot of different facets, um, you don't hear of a lot of banks and program managers launching their own accelerator program, let alone in the middle of the country. So that in itself was unique just in terms of location. And we, and, and we just, we thought it would be a great opportunity to, to partner. Um, I think also, you know, the, I, I think to the other points that were made just across, you know, being a FinTech, launching a card product, a payments product um, in this, in today's age, you know, day and age is very complex. Um, it requires um, a lot of different kind of partners and assets across the entire value chain. And so we would, we would love, you know, we just thought the opportunity to kind of insert ourselves kind of as a payments partner um, with this opportunity was very unique and we were really excited about it. And then, you know, lastly, just in terms of kind of fintech, we we're a strong supporter of kind of the entire fintech movement, of course, kind of being in the payment space, a lot of innovation going on there. And so we wanted to, we thought, again, this would be just a great opportunity to partner with, with fintech. And, you know, MasterCard has a variety of different assets that just aligned, aligned very well with, you know, what Nikki and, and False Fintech were, were trying to do. And so we were very excited and uh, we're on to cohort two and um, we look forward to the partnership in the next, for the next few years. Yeah, I do want to touch on, and I don't maybe know who to start with this, maybe, maybe Rishi or, or Nikki, uh, with the regulatory aspect, right? So um, I think in the US, it's comparable to other jurisdictions. It's very difficult to navigate and understand it. And it's typically on a state-by-state basis or a charter basis, right, um, where you can get, get your charter. From what you're seeing for companies that come in or startups that come in, like, like Fonda, it, what types of information do they know? And, and what, what types of education do you have to deliver for them to be able to get even started with this um, type of, you know, they, obviously a lot of people have ideas, right? But to under, really understand the navigation of the regulatory aspect, I think is, is the first hurdle. Um, and, you know, how educated are the fintechs coming in? You know, how much time do you have to spend navigating through that and, and educating, I guess? Um, you know, I'll throw it up to you, the one who, to, to start maybe. Yeah. Next I'll, uh, I'll take a, take yeah. a shot at that, Chris, honestly, um, great question. First of all, because, you know, we are very surprised at every kind of point in the journey of what people either do know or don't know. And it's, it's okay. Um, we knew that setting out that some people were going to have this PhD level, level of understanding. Others were kind of going to be at this entry level. And so we design our tracks to kind of meet in the middle. Uh, And then every week we circle back and say, how did that sit with you? What do you feel like you understood or, or don't understand? And then, you know, with all of our mentors, we've got uh, about 150 mentors in the payments ecosystem and a swath of them are from the compliance, legal and regulatory space, including those at the federal reserve, different other uh, examiners, legal counsel that spends their day in and day out working in the payment space. And so Everybody varies of what they know or don't know, but one thing's for certain that it's murky. It's fragmented in spirit of what the regulatory environment looks like, and it's ever-changing. And so we think that's why having some of these key players uh, part of Falls Fintech is absolutely uh, monumental. So we spend two weeks of our 12 focused on data, customer privacy, regulatory compliance, uh, what I like to call alphabet soup, because, uh, you know, even in cohort two, we've got uh, two companies that are wildly unfamiliar with BSA. And in my mind's eye, I've lived BSA forever. So I'm like, how do you not know what this is? But 
but they don't, and that's okay. So uh, absolutely critical, uh, various levels of understanding and always changing. So we're just kind of adapting as we go, but we got the right people um, connected to it. So yeah, it's a, it's an interesting world to navigate, um, especially at the different levels. But then, but then once you get in, there, there's so many different pieces to it to even you know have an opportunity to get started. Can I can I add something, Chris, just to what yeah. Nikki said to reinforce? I think it's also creating a safe space where, as a fintech and a founder, you can ask honest questions and be honest about what you might not know, and around experts that aren't going to judge you or. Um, decide not to work with you. You know, oftentimes we're always trying to put our best foot forward. And I think False Fintech does a really good job of bringing super smart people together and allowing a safe space for you to learn and co-create. And I think that's a really important because we don't get that kind of um, uh, nurturing or support oftentimes as a founder when you're trying to get to market and put your best foot forward all the time. Yeah, it's it's, it's a really good point. And I guess it, it helps me transition to to my next point of, I guess, non-traditional fi non-traditional companies that are that are looking to maybe embed some sort of financial service seems to be fintech 2.0 if that makes sense of where these companies are going i think some of the some of the big names i guess you could say uh, that we're looking to embed payments like google is looking to add banking accounts now and um you have you know goldman sachs getting their hands in providing like banking as a service types of models but through amazon and so I think like as, a, as an ecosystem landscape, you know, what does that mean for all, all the different players in the game? So I think for, for, for you, Fonda, Fonda, you can maybe offer your services to those types of companies that are looking to maybe get access to that data um, and, and have that opportunity. And I think uh, from both Nikki's side and uh, Rishi's side, like you can immediately play an impact with them. Um, but I guess like, so do you, do you think that is, you know, better opportunity for the end users that you have these non-traditional FIs that will embed financial services in? And, and then, you know, what does that mean for, I guess, you know, the overall landscape for the regulatory aspect and everything? Does that change that you have like, you know, all these different types of models coming in? Does it make it harder, easier or, or, or all of the above, I guess? You know, I don't, I don't have an opinion on harder or easier from a regulatory standpoint, but uh, my initial thoughts are, you know, this was inevitable. It is inevitable, but I see it working, honestly, Chris, a lot like uh, the banking, you know, area in general, where that's part of why we saw the rise of fintech a decade ago is the big banks just can't serve. Uh, They tried to play in X space, but there's need for the guy, the small guy, the innovative guy, gal, what have you, that can come in and leverage uh, their ideas. And so now we've seen this huge expansion of fintech that is solving problems that the big guys can't. So Google, Amazon, whomever that's starting to uh, play in payments, there's still going to be gaps and there's still going to be a need for some of the more innovative, agile. Now, partnerships, uh, I think is critical and important. Everybody's got a space to play in that. But uh, at least in my mind's eye, very inevitable and still level playing ground for most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rishi, do you, do you see any demand on your side for trying to, you know, as I mentioned, like embed or opportunities to embed additional services where they traditionally wouldn't play in that, that space, I guess? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, th- I think, um, you know, I, Nikki might touch on this later, but I think their open API platform 
is is a very unique kind of component to you know the bank and the program manager piece and you know being able to connect you know to connect into different banking partners and and processing partners and card partners um, I think is really unique um, I think it helps you know fintechs across the board get to market much you know much faster in a more scalable way and I think you know it's it's one thing to I think a lot of these banks in the market are talking about yeah you know we're working on open banking we have this open banking platform but I think what's really unique to you know to false fintech and to central payments is they actually do and they're trying to be that turnkey that turnkey partner for fintechs to go to market in a very efficient and scalable way and I think they're doing that. And, and um, you know, we would love to kind of just partner. And that's just another reason why we love to partner, you know, with them because of, because of what they're doing. Um, in addition to just, it's, it's less marketing, it's more tactical, and it's all about execution, and they really nailed it. Yeah. And that, that, I mean, I get, that brings me to my next point, just for, I guess, Nikki, to start off with the central payment story. There's a reason why you created the false FinTech. And I think we talked about it previous to it, but I think it's really key to understand like the demand that you were getting and maybe for you personally, what you were seeing to be able to, you know, move, move into this accelerator and then really, you know, accelerate the launch of it as, you know, as, as quickly as you did off of the, probably the demand that you were seeing at central payments, because I don't, I don't think there's, there's really anyone out doing what you're doing and to the extent that you are. So I think it's really beneficial for just the whole, you know, our, our listeners to really understand the opportunity that you're providing and just the education that you're giving these fintechs at the early stage that you are. Yeah. Uh, thanks. I, I could take that a number of ways, but I think what I'd like to do just from the kickoff is, you know, we have bank charter, uh, technology layer, um, network, know-how, and then ultimately the desire uh, to do things a bit different and to, like I said, roll up our sleeves and, and not just be your typical sponsor bank. Um, our executive leadership team here at Central Payments has a, a combined probably 200 years of payments experience, which sounds like a weird way to put that, but most of us are at least two decades uh, worth. And so be it at program managers, um, some at more former examiners and um, bank, you know, credit payments, prepaid money movement kind of experts in general. So. Um, where the genesis of false fintech really came out was early 2019. We were just getting a ton of fintechs like the Fantas of the world from InvestSusu coming to central payments and say, will you be my sponsor bank? Will you be my program manager? Will you help me get to market? And our desire was yes. Um, but unfortunately, because many of them, for instance, don't know what BSA is, let alone how to run a compliant program let alone what types, uh, it was just too heavy of a lift. Yeah. And so uh, my co-founder, Trent Sorby, and I put our heads together and said, you know what, what would it look like if instead of shoving all these people away, we actually said, yes, let's figure out a way to help. Well, hey, there's this thing called an accelerator, an incubator, a think tank, boot camp-esque uh, mindset. What would it look like if we did that? And so we sent a few interns out to do market research. And we came up with what we thought was a really viable business model, took it to our board and said, we think this works. Uh, again, with the level of experience that we have and the network um, that's been generated over all the years, we started to kind of put our feelers out there to the MasterCards of the world and a bunch of other folks and said, hey, if we did this, what do you think? Is this something you'd want to be a part of? Would you help us put some legs under this? Will you provide some sponsorship? And 
some knowledge uh, where you can teach some of these intern or excuse me, these fintechs um, how to do things or things they might not know. And it was a resounding yes. Everybody was like, yes, please. The industry needs this. Um, and, uh, you know, not just because I'm with a bank, but fintechs, legal firms, even processors and such will tell you one of the most important relationships you can have is with a, a strong bank uh, if you're a fintech company. Strong, not only viable and longstanding, but also do they know what they're doing? Because just because a bank has a charter doesn't necessarily mean uh, that they know how to run a payments business. And we've seen a number of, of orders and enforcement actions that have come out of trying to get into payments and people not necessarily knowing what they're doing. And so that the bank has to kind of kind of um, slow down or, or step away from that space. So um, I think what it boils down to is our heart's desire was to serve these folks. And we felt like we had all the, uh, the requirements to do so. And so far, so good. Yeah. And for, for us, like by you guys being able to do that, it makes it easier for someone like us to, to have a discussion when they're educated already um, by those, by those pieces that you had. Um, and, and Rishi, for you, does it seem to be, do you get like the, the same situation where you have someone that comes to you saying, Hey, we want to partner with MasterCard. And you're just like, well, do, do you have the pieces that you need in place? Do, do you run into those you know, stories and, and, and how are you able to help educate, I guess, early stage fintechs into how to navigate through the ecosystem as well? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's another good point. And um, we, we do actually have a lot of fintechs coming to MasterCard. Hey, how do we, you know, how do we get to market? How do we scale? And so we've actually created our own, you know, start path program. And it's, it's, it's a, in terms of the size of company, it's very different from false fintech. It's a little bit late, later stage yeah. um, where these companies, you know, have, you know, have customers, um, you know, they are kind of a little further along in terms of, you know, uh, capital raising and things like that. Um, we've actually kind of in, in, embedded that, that piece, um, you know, in the partnership with false fintech to help coach and educate some of these startups on things like, you know, how do you, how do you start to raise money? How do you, how do you talk to the venture capital community? Um, how do you build kind of a, an innovative product? How do you scale and market things like that? Right. So, um, Oh, even also, how do you even refine your pitch when you're talking to customers and, and investors? So we, we do have our own star path program, but again, it's, it's different in terms of the, the size and stage of company, but we've, um, but we're working very closely with false fintech um, on that. And, and, you know, for that exact purpose of helping these fintechs get to market, um, in scalable ways. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's awesome that there's all of these opportunities that are starting to come about because you think about, and then at least in the next couple of years, like all of these fintechs, the, the idea is to help the end customer. Right. And so um, if you could have more education and get them to market faster with what their ideas are and their valuable um, processes are, then, um, at the end of the day, it benefits all of us. Um, you know, well, another thing I was thinking about too is MasterCard was really important to us uh, from the get-go because what many people maybe don't know is you think about MasterCard as this uh, as a card network, but what we've realized through False FinTech is there's so many branches and unbelievable amount of expertise. So uh, MasterCard has a, a group called Data and Services, and they have just experts from lending to how to launch a product from a market release strategy standpoint to customer segmentation, just a variety of, of really smart people tucked away in their data and services arm that 
I mean, frankly, before this, I didn't know existed, um, along with the uh, Center for Inclusive Growth is another kind of arm of MasterCard, really critical in these times, specifically cohort two. We've got two folks that are serving what we would call the kind of inner city under underrepresented communities. And that's really important to us as a CDFI, Community Development Financial Institution, that everybody has inclusion. Um, and so just learning more about the different branches or segments within MasterCard as a whole, uh, it's just kind of a win-win on, on the accelerator side and the fintech side. Yeah. And, and I think as we start to open up that ecosystem, hopefully more, um, it, it, we can all use, utilize that data as, to, to be able to advance as, as, as quickly as possible. Um, Fonte, I did want to touch on, on, on your side. You know, we did, we did touch about, you know, the value that uh, False Fintech was providing you, but prior to that, um, you had to start somewhere, right? And so where, where did you even begin to navigate what you wanted to, do? you know, you had this idea and, and how, I guess your story about how you started before you got to the accelerator, and, and I'm sure that then it took off from there, but where to begin, I guess, it's just like, how do I put this thing into motion? Um, you know, I'm sure it's pretty yeah. difficult from your side. Oh, man, super difficult. Um, you know, how, where did it begin? Wow. You know, when I came back to the States, I settled down. I was working at a, as a management consultant at Deloitte in their emerging markets practice, and I had just bought a house in D.C. I was looking around my community. Um, I really felt like I had an idea and I wasn't working on it and it was just eating at me. And so one of the things that we did was first get some initial funding to at least fund the R&D period, but we could kind of figure out, okay, Fanta, you know, I want to innovate on this informal social banking tradition. Let's test some things. Believe it or not, Lean Startup was like my Bible at the time. <laughs> uh, sounds like a cliche, but I'm so serious. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and when you don't have a lot of funding and you're bootstrapping, all you can do is put together like a little crappy MVP and test it with users and get some feedback. And that's what we did. We used to call it Ugly Baby. <laughs> we tested, <laughs> yeah, and we tested that thing in New York and Charlotte and D.C. and Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, believe oh, wow. it or not, because we were trying to build something global. One of the folks working on the team at the time was from Tanzania and offered to do that. Um, we learned a lot. And to be honest, I'm glad that we bootstrapped that way because um, we would have invested a lot of money and time into something that wasn't the best product. And one of the things that we learned in testing with users is that, you know, B2C in FinTech is really difficult to scale. It's expensive. Um, it's hard to get users. And when we were talking to the banks, we were like, wow, we're leaving a lot of opportunity on the table by not working directly with banks for, with our product. Um, and why not consider, as opposed to a, a customer-focused app, a um, API that banks could integrate into their banking system. And that pivot was huge. We got some initial support um, and funding from the Independent Community Bankers of America, and they gave us the opportunity to test our new, um, our version two, I guess I should say, with their bank, their member banks, in terms of how to sell it. Learned a lot in that process. And then they introduced us to Nikki because they knew we needed a bank sponsor. And the rest literally is history. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It's, it's good because you want to use your contacts, right? And use your referrals yeah. because that's the expertise of trying to navigate through because it's almost like we, we all said it's pretty much impossible to do it, you know, on your own or, or trying to find, a, find a way forward. Um, I guess to wrap things up, we, we just, just a, a quick, you know, idea of maybe where the next wave is or where we're headed, I guess, in the next you know, few years. I did mention in maybe embedded financial services or embedded software, mm -hmm. but I'd love to hear from you guys. You know, maybe just a quick, 
quick quick summary of where you think maybe the U.S. ecosystem fintech you know, advantages are, are moving towards in the next next few years or so. Um, we can kick off with uh, Rishi. Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, it's, it's a it's a tough question because I think um, you know it, it, it's it's a very complex environment. There's a lot of moving pieces. I think in terms of like just the underlying infrastructure, I. Uh, you know, I, I really do think there will be more, more banks like, you know, like, like CBKC and central payments that is, that are vertically integrating um, everything from, you know, being a bin sponsor to being a processor, program manager, to even offering your own API platform. So I think, you know, integrating, I think across the ecosystem for, for banks, I think was probably going to be, you know, an upcoming trend. On the infrastructure side, I think on the fintech side, I mean, we're seeing innovation across you know a variety of different verticals and segments. Everything from you know payroll to healthcare to you know to just normal consumer right uh, financial management. So I I think there's gonna there's gonna be a continuing um, continuing amount of innovation across different segments uh, as well as the entire banking payments ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Fanta, what, what are you seeing from your side? Well, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say that I do believe the future of banking is social. And that's why we're focusing on doing what we're doing, you know, building something that helps people save, invest, borrow uh, with people that they know and trust on a virtual wallet. But as I look at the future of fintech and even some technologies that we're looking to integrate into our own uh, platform, things like self-driving money, you know, autonomous finance are really intriguing right now. Being able to have a user tell you, you know, what their end goal is, their destination is financially, and then using AI and algorithms to help them get there and make smart recommendations and nudges. I do see that as being huge um, and something that people can integrate into their everyday lives. So that's something our team is exploring. Yeah, to- totally behind that for sure. And Nikki, for, for you, I'm sure it's, uh, there's a lot there, but um, yeah, where, where, where do you guys... Uh, want to focus yourselves in the next couple of years or see providing services too? I I probably have a way less cool answer uh, than Rishi and Fanta had. But uh, in my mind's eye, um, honestly, it's all about partnership, partner with the right people, choose the right partners. You know, it seems like years past, it was always build whenever possible, buy uh, next and partner last. And I feel like that has literally been flipped on its head, Um, just as nimble as, as folks are, especially in the fintech space. It, it, you'll spend millions of dollars and years to build nowadays what a lot of folks have. And so I think it's flipped on its head and it's partner first, uh, buy next and build if you have to. So um, in, our, in our heads, we're just focusing on strong partnerships, focusing on, uh, again, what we're good at. And that's kind of bringing our open API layer, our bank charter, and kind of know-how and network to the table. That's a good. That's a good one to finish up uh, for sure. Because that we at, we at Currency Cut have, have definitely focused this year on introducing new partnerships, and that's really where we've, like you said, flipped flipped that script to really, and that it opens up so much opportunity for direct clients and um, you know being able to share values uh, from each from each company. So um, we're totally behind that as well. Well, I think this is super beneficial for everybody. I want to thank all of you for coming on. Like I said, it's it's really good information to get out into the market, and I think you know having having each part of the ecosystem you know on today really helps the end customers understand and navigate new entrepreneurs that want to make it to market really navigate um, for that. Um, as I mentioned to you guys earlier, we'll we'll be sure to to post all of your information for any contact for partnerships 
um, you know, maybe new, new cohorts that you're going to be coming out with Nikki and then any partnership opportunities uh, for you both Fanta and Rishi at uh, MasterCard and in Vasusu. So thanks again for coming on. It's really good uh, to share information for everybody. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.